I'm Howard Brown, the senior pastor here at Christ Central Church, and not only am I a um, Clemson grad and a Clemson fan, good game yesterday, I actually went to the game, so um, I'm a little tired. I, I didn't cheer as much as I should have, um, but when I left the game, it was at South Carolina, the, the team we, we beat. Um, yes, Steve Spur did not score a touchdown against us. Um, well, did he play? Oh, um, and... Um, you know, I'm just walking down doing this because I had to save my voice. I was I was humble about it. I just did like this. Um, but to more important things. <laughs> Another thing you don't know would like to know about me is I'm a Rocky fan. I love Rocky. I actually have the the five. Well, it's actually VHS. It's kind of embarrassing. But I have the five VHS set of Rocky. I don't count Rocky five. Um, it doesn't, it's not as good. Um, before you laugh at Rocky, realize it won an um, uh, Oscar for Best Picture in 1976. Um, and uh, I, it came on again yesterday. I, TNT always does these little Rocky things. They show, show like all five Rockies. And one day, and I'm flipping through, and there he is on TV, uh, loading up meat at this point. And uh, why do I like this so much? Um, here is this Philadelphia guy who, before he had the plastic surgery, he didn't look like he could take Apollo Creed, the Count of Monte Fisto. It, it just, it didn't look like he could do it. He was not the smartest guy. Yo, Adrian. He just... He just should not have made it. And, uh, you know, there's one point in the movie we're watching and Kelly's like, I'm getting tired of this. Why don't he get it together? He's moping. He's sad. Everyone says, come on, Rock, try harder. And he's all, he just, he shouldn't win. But then at the end of the movie, everybody knows what happened, right? The music starts playing, dun, 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 dun. And I mean, it is, I'm in the room doing the same thing. I'm trying to do little one-arm push-ups. You saw I bent my hip. I didn't. You see. I mean, when I watch a Rocky movie, I'm ready to go work out. I'm ready to go change the world. And the reason that happens, and, and it was Rocky too, is and that's like one of the best scenes is when he starts to run down the middle of the, the, the Italian part of the city and all the merchants are there. Hey, Rock! And he's just running, you know. What's up, y'all? With the hole in the shirt. And then all the kids, I don't know where their mom and daddies are, all these kids begin to run with them. You know, and he's up and he's cheering. I love that thing. I've seen it about 20 times. Maybe I need to enter a Rocky recovery program. Why do I like it so much? Why do we like it so much? Because Rocky is a picture of what we all want to be true. Each of us know we shouldn't make it. Each of us knows there's something in us or, or something about us, something wrong, something quirky, something not right. And, and in, a, in a character like Rocky, someone quirky and not right, it happens. There is redemption. There is a, a hope, a reason to live. And that thing I believe we long for and love to see in movies like Rocky is the gospel. That somehow, 
there's a song, a dun 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 dun, dun some song for us. Is there a story? We wonder, is there a story like that for us? I mean, is there a possibility that somebody like me, my life could actually be made right, that it could mean something, that it could have some reason, that it could have some triumph, that we really can take on our greatest enemies, not without, but the worst ones, the ones within. Is there hope for sinners? For people morally unable to get in the ring? Or get up in the morning and work hard? Or do their quiet times? Or read their Bibles? We're hoping for and looking for the gospel. But what exactly are we looking for in the gospel? Why are you here? What are you looking for? Why is there hope? What exactly is the gospel? Now, this is part one. We're going to do part two next week. The gospel is a story. What we see in Rocky and, and what we see in other stories of triumph, what we see in the, the story of Ebenezer Scrooge is, is right here in Scripture. And of course, yes, the Matrix and, and Star Wars and, and Luke and Darth Vader. and it's, it's right here in the story of the Gospel. All the evil all the intricacies of evil, all the complicated social and emotional issues, all the carnage of human sin and violence, all the forgotten hurt people, all of that addressed, rescued, changed, helped, redeemed right here in the pages of Scripture. Except it's a non-fiction account. An account of God loving and saving a sinful world of sinful people, of a real God really loving a sinful world with real redemption. The gospel is that story. And Paul tells us, uh, gives us somewhat of a trailer for it in short, creating a tension for hope. Look how it opens here. We know that the law is good, verse 8, if one uses it properly. We also know that the law is made not for the righteous, but for the lawbreakers and rebels and the ungodly and sinful, the unholy and irreligious, for those who kill their fathers or mothers, for murderers, for adulterers, for for perverts, for slave traders and liars and perjurers, and for whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine that conforms to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which he entrusted to me. Paul is beginning to lay down the story of Scripture. He's saying, here are the, where the people in these stories are. Here is where humanity is. They're caught up in verses 8 through 11. But here's the key here. Paul is not a professor. He is not just a teacher. Paul himself has become a part of the story of God's love for sinful people. Look how this turns out in verse 12. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has given me strength. 
that he's considered me faithful, pointing me to his service, even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man. All those things in verses 8 through 11, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith. And love that are in Christ Jesus. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into world into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. Paul is saying this is a story. A story that I'm a part of. It's just not a theory. It's just not a good idea. This thing is really happening. My dad runs a tour guide business in Charleston. Called Gullah Tours. And I will tell you that one thing that makes it successful is my father really and truly grow up, grew up speaking Gullah. And so when you go on a tour, you don't have the guy who just learned how to speak Gullah or took the class on it or talked to the experts on it or listened to the tape on it or, you know, just has all the pictures of it. No, my father lived it and his mother and grandmother spoke it. And so when you go on a tour, when he takes you on a tour in Charleston, you aren't guessing whether you're seeing the real thing. You've got the real thing right there. We saw it up here this morning. It's real. It's a real story. You heard them talk about how they got their kids from here and there. And you saw the connection here. That God so loved them this way. That now they have a heart to go and love children that aren't biologically theirs. In the same way that God loves them. It is the story of the gospel. Not just their stories, but but my story. Flesh and blood standing right up here. Just as sinful as any of you could have ever been or are. That's my story too in that Jesus came and offered me salvation. There's some genius in those commercials we hate. Those infomercials. I can't stand those things. But it gets me sometimes. You know, let me tell you when I'm ready to turn the channel. I'm ready to turn the channel when you see the overcaffeinated guy on there, right? With the with the sweater or something. Hey, what's going on? All right. What is this thing you're selling? All right. That grape juice. Let's get it. And I'm like, okay, that is so fake. He ain't using that juice. He's getting paid to act like he's using that juice, right? I mean, okay. I really do hate those hosts. Hey, how you doing, Johnny? All right. Yeah. This is great. They don't even get on the workout equipment. Oh, yes, it's very strong. Yeah. They're just watching the real athletes do it. <laughs> yeah, I can see it. I've got one myself. In fact, I bought two. You're just lying. But here's when it gets me. When I see the bear gut guy up there, too. Right? Looking just like me. He's like, yeah, here's the way I used to look. And you're like, and, 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 you know, okay, here's the key. You got to look at the little white letters, right? And if the little white letters say, these are paid actors, forget it, it's not real. If the little white letters say, these are not actors, here is the real story. Then you begin to get caught by it because you're like, hey, there is me. 
that thing is real. This story, I'm going to buy two of them too. I mean, if it helped that guy, look how he looks. And sometimes they get people that look worse than you, right? Oh, yeah, I, you know, I didn't have anything. And, and I, I was really this. And I, I couldn't, I had no energy all day long. And you're thinking, man, they don't have any makeup on. Sometimes they look terrible. And they got him up there and they're saying, man, this thing changed my life. And now you believe it because what? Because the product you believe is real. Because there's a story of reality there. And historically, but it's, it's, it's not just in the TV. The gospel itself is an ongoing infomercial of the sincere reality of God's love for a sinful world through Jesus Christ. But it's not just on TV. It's right here in the scripture. It's here in this room. And historically and most trustingly, right here in, in this big book, a story book of the gospel. But there's, here's the point of the story. It is the reality of the truth. You see, the gospel story says this, that truth does exist. That there is a true statement, a true belief for the whole world. You ever notice when people say this, um, hey man, you've got to see this movie. Oh, it made me cry. Oh man, you got to see it. And if they say something like... Man, that thing was deep. You got to see. You can't miss. You can't miss this one. That's where I felt about the movie Crash when I was recommending this movie, and it is all kind of messed up stuff in it. Yeah, but I was like, man, okay. For those of you who can consciously go see this movie, it's rated R. It has this. You got to go see this movie. I mean, that thing is deep. And the reason why I'm encouraged to go see the movie, and there's reasons why people say you got to see this movie, is not because of the action necessarily, not because of the story itself, but because in the story there is some truth that can possibly transform your life. The story illustrates. The truth. Paul says this in verse 12 through 15. I thank the Lord Jesus, Christ Jesus our Lord, who has considered me, who has given me strength, that he considered me faithful, pointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy. Because I acted in ignorance and unbelief, the grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. And here is Paul has laid down his story for us, the story of how Christ saved his life. And here is what he says. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. This is my story, Paul says. This is my story of God's love for me, a sinner. But there is the truth that you and I must take away from this story. He says it here. Here is a trustworthy saying. Whatever my story is, I was knocked off a horse and God saved me. And I have this grand and great story. But here is the reason for this story. The real story has a real truth. And that truth you can take with you is this. That Christ came to save Sinners. It's the truth. The real story. See, the gospel is is the caption 
of God's love for the world. It's a caption of life. It's a capture of the picture of all that happens, of, of all that can potentially happen. The gospel is the truth for the world's real issues. It is true for you or for whatever is going on, believer or unbeliever, churchgoer or not churchgoer, sinner or real bad sinner, regardless what your story is or at what place you are in your story, the captive truth, the truth that can be put under anything you're going through remains the same. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. I want you to take a snapshot. Just put a little digital camera in your mind. I want you to take a snapshot right now of your issues, a picture of your dilemmas. What do you see happening around the Thanksgiving table with family members you can't get along with? What about what are you doing in your bedroom? What what are you doing at your computer? What's the snapshot look like of you in front of the TV or snapshots of your history? Maybe it's a picture of something like like you sleeping around or, or maybe it's you being abused. Maybe it's a snapshot of others being taken advantage of that you saw or or maybe it's you doing drugs or getting drunk or or you alone or you in tears or or maybe it's a snapshot of, of you at a funeral service or on the other end of a phone call of bad news. Do you know and remember those places and those stories? What could be true? What could we put under the images and events of the stories of your lives? Here's like a million snapshots in this one room of broken lives, hurt people, People trying to be good enough and failing, not being good enough, not being accepted. What could be put under your real story? This truth. Christ came into the world to save sinners. It is the caption. It is the truth for whatever dilemma and issue you're going through. What is the gospel? The gospel is the way Christ redeems sinners. Now we're going to kind of look at this a little bit. Let me put it this way. Jesus is the soap and the suit. Jesus is the soap and Jesus is the suit. God's called us to Holiness. Let's call that the big dance. But but we can't go because we are nasty and he sent Jesus to be the soap and be the bathwater to clean us and become muddy with our sin so that we can be clean enough to be God's. But that wasn't enough. Jesus is the suit. He is the dress. He came to give us, to, to clothe us in righteousness. He gave us his suit, his dress, the one he paid for and earned so that we can be admitted to God's big dance, so that we could dance with God, so that we could have relationship with him. 
Jesus is being the soap and the suit is a fancy term called double imputation. Which means this. Jesus took our sin away. Dying on the cross. But he also gave us a righteous standing before God. We are sinners. Standing in kingly clothes. Look at what Paul says here. He says it twice. At verse 13 again. Even though I was once a blasphemer and persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy. And then in verse 14, the grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with faith and love that are Christ Jesus. And then then we have in verse 16, but that for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me the worst of sinners, what Christ made might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. And so we have these things happening twice. We see mercy as God uh, forgiving Paul's sin. But Paul adds to it. He says, not only did he forgive my sin and take my sin away and I stand righteous before God, but he also poured his grace on me. He gave to me. He put perfume on my body. He doesn't take the stench away. He gave me a smell that was wonderful and beautiful and acceptable to God. He took unrighteousness away. And gave me righteousness that I couldn't get for myself. I think about it. Sometimes we'll say, you know, I think I would make heaven if I didn't sin. That's not what the scripture says. It's not good enough. The gospel says this. It's not good enough that you don't sin. The Bible says you were created for good works. So people say, you know what? I had a pretty good day. I didn't sin today. Well, how many people did you help today? How perfectly did you live your life out rightly? How many people did you help across the street? Were you selfish in your time anywhere? I mean, it's not enough just to have your sin removed. Jesus died to give you a righteous covering but can we truly believe this story it's reality it's truth I mean half the problem is we hear this thing over and over Jesus came to save sinners can we believe it well see here's the other side of the gospel the gospel isn't only the message and the means The gospel is actually the mission of God to our hearts to help us believe this truth of the gospel. Last week, this was Thursday or Wednesday? Wednesday. Uh, We just finished staff meeting and Georgia would give me a ride. And so we were in front of Smelly Cat across the street about to get in our car. And this guy comes up and oh boy, here we go. Amen. Amen. Hey, hey, I'm like, oh, great. Hey, man, uh, you, you, you got a few minutes? I'm like, no, nah, I'm too busy. I, I got to go. I, was t- I didn't feel like all that. Hey, man. Hey, yo, man. No, I'm busy. I don't have no money. And then he says, look, man, I don't want your money. But I heard you're a pastor and I need to talk to somebody. <laughs> got me. <sighs> I 
But you know how this thing goes. Here comes the story. How many times I heard the same thing? Well, you know, man, everything was good. And, um, you know, somebody else messed up. And here I am. You know, this guy's story was, you know, I came down from New York and my friends brought me and they, they took off and left me here. I'm like, oh, that's a terrible story. You know, I'm just kind of looking through him like, yeah, yeah. But go on with the story. How many times have I heard this one? Well, you know, man, I had it together. You know, I used to do prison ministry and it was the same thing. Man, I ain't really supposed to be in here. Um, my, my lawyer did me wrong. And it might be true. But why is it 100% of the guys in there didn't do it? I mean, everyone's story say, look, man, you know, man, uh, you know, a, a, a good brother like you know, I didn't do it. I'm like, I don't know if he didn't do it. You know, this is maximum security prison. You know, you did wrong. You know, man, I didn't. She, she fell on that knife. You know, it's all kind of craziness. And, and I mean, seriously, the stories go like that. And, and, and I was like, great. Here's this guy. He's going to have some money. He's going to have some story. I don't feel like it. And I think the thing that made me angrier. I mean, here he is. Unconfident, squirrely looking, a little dirty, broken sentences. You know, and then, then, then uh, Charles is out there and he reveals this guy is probably an addict. And he says, like, uh, he says, I need a place to stay tonight. And we're like, go to the Tryon shelter. And he says, nah, man, here's another story that happened. I could have gone there, but blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, great. Here we go. Another story. And I'm getting, I'm not merciful. I need Jesus too. And I'm just feeling like I want to get home. I know your story. I can't help you. And he, and he goes on to say, well, you know, I... I stole a loaf of bread and that's all I got to eat. I'm like, that's good. Tell me you stole a loaf of bread. That's going to really help you in front of me. You know, and so he's telling me and I'm getting angry because here is this black man who sh- I should be respecting as a father figure figure just as insecure and broken and messed up. And it has these silly stories. I mean, he been, his friends left him two years ago, y'all. He made it sound like it was yesterday. And I was angry. I didn't like the way he looked. I didn't like the way he acted. I didn't like the way he smelled. I didn't want to hear his silly, stupid story. I wanted to be done with him. And the audacity to actually try to tell me this story. The audacity. I mean, the sheer confidence. When you know you're a drug user. When you know you messed up. When you know the reason you can't go to the shelter is because you started a fight. You, the, how dare he with such boldness. Come to me like that. I think one of the real reasons I was angry is because I didn't want to look in the, the mirror that he was. Everything in me wants to not be the person who is desperate and is needy and disheveled. And has some sort of story of almost and maybe and mess ups and some story of admitting neediness and addictions to admit our need for more help. You know, we, we all hate to be the person who has to admit their addictions or admit their need for Jesus because you can't stop Doing what you do, you have to admit your need for Jesus because it's obvious you love money more than people. To admit you have a lack of belief in God and the Bible because you feel he did you wrong somewhere in life. To admit how unsatisfied you are. To admit our need for Jesus because we have this story of constant failure. Of hatred. 
We all got the story just like this guy of lust going wrong to admit when you get in a mirror, you want to rip your ugly face off. That you're controlled by having stuff or controlled by this person or that person or this and that. And to admit and be like that man with sheer audacity and confidence and say, hey, look. My story is sad, and it's silly, and I'm messed up, and you have every reason not to help me, but I need help. Getting to the place, like Paul says, I am the worst of sinners. I was a blasphemer. I was a violent man. Here comes Paul telling his story again. But I realize the truth. Christ came to save sinners like me. To get into a position where you with audacity and boldness admit and ask Jesus groveling with a desperate story of how you messed up and now you need him is no small thing. Paul says this, that the gospel is the power of God to transform us into what that man was across the street. That is powerful to come to Jesus and tell him our silly, sad story. To come with your excuses of how it wasn't your fault. And Paul says, Jesus listens. When he says Christ came into the world to save sinners, it's a, it's a missional word. It's a word for coming to get you. That Jesus comes and puts himself in a place, not like me who wanted to leave and get out of there. He comes in a place to hear stories. And guess what? In your sinfulness, you sound and look just like that man. They don't smell right to him. Your story's not good enough for him to like you and help you. But the gospel comes in and it it breaks the pride of having to have it all together. Don't you know when Paul says, I am the worst of sinners, that's a sign of maturity? Here's the man who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And he's not playing a game. He's not a TV host. Da, 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 and I was really bad. Now I'm good. No, he is really saying, I am the worst of sinners. My story is real bad. I was killing Christians. I was hating Jesus. Now I was. I am. And this truth has to be true for me. And it's taken power. For me to say it and need and see Jesus is my only hope. Don't you know what this is with the church is? Man, some people have messed us up. I say us because I'm messed up too. To somehow believe Christianity is about having it together. That somehow Christianity, the gospel is this. You, you accept Jesus. You know, you do the little prayer. You know, you, you, you cross the bridge over to Jesus, whatever. You say the little prayer and you accept it. And now it's time for you to go to work. Woo! I'm going to talk about that more next week. But it's time for you to go to work, right? You're now a disciple of Christ. Got to follow the steps. Boop, 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 boop. Can't be a sinner anymore. Paul says, in all my years as an apostle of Christ, writing the word of God, I am the worst of sinners. And this is a sign of my maturity. 
Don't you know the church gathers sorry sinners? This is what this is. We've come to God's shelter. We're in the detox, y'all. Well, I know y'all got stories. Sorry stories, too. Pretty good, you know, pretty sinful, pretty evil. Welcome to detox. Welcome to the shelter. It's always open for you. Because the truth remains the same. Remember, regardless of whether the image changes, there you are having your quiet time. <laughs> Doing good. And you know what the caption under that is? Christ came in the world to save sinners. There you are, dating the right person. <laughs> I'm doing it righteously. <laughs> What's the caption? Christ came in the world to save sinners. Here I am preaching. What's the caption under Howard? Christ came in the world to save sinners like him up here. The gospel. I'm going to close with this. When we were living in Baltimore, it was interesting that there were certain times in the month and um, we call them zombie days, zombie days, man. And the, and, the, and the drug dealer would come and he would have a new mixture of concoction, something like that. And, and, and word would get out. Today is the day for the free drugs. And, and they would just give it away free, free drugs. And it was like, I think I've told you this before, it was like Michael Jackson's thriller. I, nobody's around. Then... The announcement of the free drugs and all of these people coming out of abandoned buildings, coming out of the gutter, literally coming out the gutter. I mean, clothes ain't right, smelling funny, itching, doing the itching, and, and, and eyes are just messed up. I mean, even drooling. I, it, it, there's no exaggeration, drooling, needing, walking around, eyes just as desperate, looking. I mean, let me tell you. I saw people, they would go in the shed behind our house and do drugs. No shame. No, they just needed it so badly. It was almost like, I I don't need to look good. I don't need to pretend like I look good. I don't need to try to, I don't need to, to have sex right now. I, 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 I don't need to, 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 to be, to smell right. All I need is what that guy is giving away for free. Don't you know the gospel transforms us into zombies? That we come to Jesus, we don't care what we look like. You're worse than that. You see, the drug zombie says, I don't need a job. I need some drugs. I'm worse than that. That won't do me. Well, hey, what about... Taking a bath. No, I'm worse than that. I need that drug. And, and I think as believers, when the gospel comes to us, we say, you know, here, here is this vice. No, I'm worse than that. I need Jesus here. I'll tell you what. If you do these five steps, your Christian life will look good. No, I don't need to look good. I'm worse than that. I, I need Jesus. Well, what if you do this? What if you have a behavior change? You know, no, behavior change won't do it. I'm worse than that. I am desperate for Jesus. I don't I mean, we have so many vices in our lives. You know, the gospel is the power to make us dissatisfied with everything that gives us security or comfort. I don't need to have a big house. 
I need Jesus. I mean, I don't need to look at pornography. It doesn't satisfy anymore. I'm worse than that. I need Jesus. I don't need to sleep around. I just need Jesus. The gospel transforms us into zombies for the grace that Jesus offers. And it calls us beyond anything that you think would satisfy you. And you say this, I'm the worst of sinners. Therefore, this must be true. Christ came into the world to save sinners. That's got to be true. Because nothing else satisfies.